1: About 10 miles northeast of Reform, Alabama. If you're interested in finding more sermons, you can go to our website at zionpbc.com. That's z-i-o-n-p-b-c.com, where you'll find all of our posted sermons as well as a link to subscribe to our podcast. You can also subscribe to our website, which will update you every time a new sermon is posted. As we continue in this portion of our series on the Book of Revelation we are looking at the tribulation on earth. We've seen the opening of the sixth seal in the latter part of chapter six. And now in chapter seven, we get another glimpse into heaven. As Elder Buddy Abernathy shows us, chapter seven of the book of Revelation basically teaches us the doctrine of election in a visual form. We get to see who is in heaven, how they got there, and what they're doing there. It's amazing to me that while most people see the book of Revelation as some Mystical, undecipherable book. In reality, it reaffirms basic Bible doctrines over and over again. Join us today as we continue in Elder Buddy Abernathy's exposition of Revelation. But first, we have a song selection that we hope will be uplifting and edifying to you.
0: continue tonight with the book of Revelation, and we're on chapter 7. And let me just state this about chapter 6. If you remember, chapter 6 focuses on how the Lord protects His people by defeating their enemies. You know, most of the Bible talks about how the Lord blesses us in obedience but here we're taught how the Lord protects us from those that would oppose us when we're obedient to him and then the last part of chapter 6 talks about the final judgment of God on the wicked just read the last verse of chapter 6 For the great day of his wrath is come, and who shall be able to stand? So he talks about how he protects God's people from the wicked during their life in this world. And he ultimately shows us how his judgment on the wicked will be permanent and everlasting. And God's people will never be troubled by them again. Now, chapter 7 teaches a doctrine that is basic and fundamental to Primitive Baptists. The subject of chapter 7 is the doctrine of election. But unlike the way the Apostle Paul taught it, we here have a picture of who's in heaven and what they're doing in heaven. That's a simple way to summarize the contents of chapter 7. Who occupies heaven and what are they doing in heaven? So it begins in verse 1 and says, After these things I saw four angels standing on the four corners of the earth, holding the four winds of the earth, that the wind should not blow on the earth, nor on the sea, nor on any tree. And I saw another angel ascending from the east, having the seal of the living God. And he cried with a loud voice to the four angels, to whom it was given to hurt the earth and the sea, saying, Hurt not the earth, neither the sea, nor the trees, till we have sealed the servants of our God in their foreheads. Now in these three verses, we see a picture with these four angels standing on the four corners of the earth holding the four winds of the earth. In other words, judgment is pending. But something is holding back or delaying this judgment. Verse 2, he says, I saw another angel. That is, he described These four angels, as being on the four corners of the earth, holding the four winds of the earth, but now he sees a fifth angel ascending, that is coming from the east, having the seal of the living God. Now we'll talk about that seal in a moment. But the first thing I want you to see, and there are a multitude of verses that address this, What's the significance when he says, I saw another angel ascending that is coming from the east? What's significant about that? Why would he say this angel's coming from the east? We know throughout the Bible, you'll find many verses that teach this concept. That when you're moving westward, you're moving in God's direction. When you're moving eastward, you're moving away from God. And notice this fifth angel is ascending, that is coming from the east. So that would certainly fit the way east is used here. This fifth angel is, as all angels angels are, a being that is sent into the earth to do God's bidding. So this angel ascends from the east because he's being sent by God. But Let me give you some examples. And I don't want to spend a whole lot of time on this, but this meant so much to me as the Lord brought it to my mind that I thought I would share it with you. In the very beginning of time, the Garden of Eden, according to Genesis 2.8, was in the east. In other words, there was only one direction to go, and that was west. But if you'll notice, after Adam and Eve transgressed the law of God, you remember he put those cherubims so that they couldn't partake of the tree of life. Put those cherubims around that tree and they were put on the east side. That means Adam and Eve could not move west. Isn't that interesting? They couldn't move west. They had sinned against God. They had been separated from God. And these cherubims were placed on the east side. They they could not move west. And you understand... These are not all to be taken literally, that, they, that uh, things could not move physically westward, but this is teaching a concept that you'll find from the beginning of creation throughout the New Testament that moving west is ordinarily associated with moving in God's direction. You know what direction they traveled when they built the Tower of Babel? East. You know what direction Lot traveled when he separated from Abraham and went down to Sodom and Gomorrah? East. The entrance to the tabernacle was on the east side. That meant to go into the tabernacle, you had to go west. To enter the worship of God, to move in God's direction, you had to go west. The church from the first century... Till very recent history has been moving west. You get, out a, you get out a map sometime and locate on that map where Jerusalem is and go westward and see where Paul preached to those Gentiles and you keep going to when the true worship of God was in England and I know I'm skipping over a lot. But you know, it was there in England where we were given the King James translation of the Bible and the true worship of God was there and it eventually moved to America in a general way. You can see that the church has moved west. Now here's my favorite one. Psalm 103 verse 12. And I want to emphasize the prepositional phrases here. As far as the east is from the west. Now how far is that? You can start traveling east and go east forever and ever and ever and you'll never be going west. You can go north, eventually you're going south. You can go south, eventually you're going north. You can travel west forever and ever and ever and you'll never go east. That's the reason that he uses east and west here. But notice this. Here's another point. As far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. Now notice this. The east is far from the west. And in like manner, our transgressions have been, tra- have been removed from us. You see that? You see the point there when you look at those prepositional phrases? In the same sense that the East is, is described as being from the West, in like manner our transgressions have been uh, our removed our, uh, so in the same way our transgressions have been removed. So there's many, many examples in the Bible that would teach you that. When you're moving west, you're moving in the way of God. And when you're moving east, you're moving away from God. Now that's a lot to say regarding this one word in Revelation chapter 4. But notice this angel sent by God ascended from the east. So let's now go back and refocus on... What's being taught here? Judgment is pending. These four angels are holding the four winds of the earth that it should not blow on the earth, nor the sea, nor any tree. And this fifth angel, here's what he says. Here's what the holdup is. Here's the delay with regard to pending judgment. He cried with a loud voice to the four angels to whom it was given to hurt the earth and the sea, saying, Hurt not the earth, neither the sea, nor the trees, till we have sealed the servants of our God in their foreheads. Now when you seal something, you authenticate it. You identify it. That indicates... Ownership. And I believe, and I recognize this is symbolic language, and I've said this before. It's okay if ministers interpret this differently as long as neither interpretation contradicts sound doctrine. So if I'm not interpreting this the way you do, I know you brethren believe in the doctrine of election. And that's the way I'm interpreting this. This whole chapter is about the doctrine of election. But notice, first of all, he says, Hurt not the earth, neither the sea, nor the trees, till we have sealed the servants of our God in their foreheads. I used to hear the old preachers say, they wouldn't even quote scripture, they'd just say, I don't believe the Lord's going to come back until the last elect child of God is born of the Spirit. And then that'll be it. That's the idea of being taught here. Now notice verse 4. Here's where in, a, in, in, in the way of a picture, the doctrine of election is presented by telling us who is in heaven and what they're doing. And I heard the number of them which were sealed. And there were sealed an hundred and forty and four thousand of all the tribes of the children of Israel. Now the thing about the book of Revelation is you've got to realize that most of the language is not literal. It's figurative, teaching an idea or a concept. You might read this and say, okay, that says that there's only going to be 144,000 of the Israelites in heaven. And there's a religion in the world that that's a main part of their doctrine. That there's only going to be 144,000 in heaven. You may say, okay, this sealing is representing being born of the Spirit. And he says in verse 4, I heard the number of them which were sealed. And there were sealed an hundred and of all the tribes of the children of Israel. So that would at this point perhaps seem reasonable. That there's going to be a hundred and forty four thousand Israelites in heaven. But let's keep this in the context. And keep in mind that the language is figurative. Verses 5 through 8 <clears throat> refers to each one of the 12 tribes of Israel. And we won't read all of that, but just look at the first one in verse 5. Of the tribe of Judah were sealed 12,000. Of the tribe of Reuben were sealed 12,000. And the tribe of Gad were sealed 12,000. And he goes through these 12 tribes and he says there's going to be 12,000 sealed from each of these tribes. Now let's consider these numbers. You know, isn't it striking that he uses a number like 144,000. Where does that come from? Well, 12 times 12 is a 144. Here he says that there are uh, 12,000 of each tribe sealed. Well, 12,000 times 12 tribes is 144,000. So that explains why the number 144,000 is used, but now that brings up more questions. What's the significance of 12,000? See, that's, that's the real question because we see that 12 tribes times 12,000 from each tribe is 144,000. So the real question is, why is it 12,000 from each tribe that is sealed? Well... The word 12 in the Bible can carry the meaning of complete or perfect. 1,000 in the Bible refers to a large number. But it's not an infinite concept. Here's the point, and we'll try to illustrate this with some other scriptures. All of God's elect, we're thinking about the thousand now, all of God's elect, and it's a large number, a thousand, all of God's elect from each tribe of Israel will be in heaven. We believe that, don't we? All the elect of all 12 tribes of the Israelites All of those that are redeemed by Christ and uh, were born of the Spirit here in time, and they never heard the gospel, they were in the Old Testament, but all of God's elect, which is a large number from each one of those tribes, is in heaven. That's sound doctrine. The number 12, as we said, means complete or perfect. There's not one missing. We believe that, don't we? All the elect are going to be there without one of them missing. Now, one of the things we need to keep in mind is this. We understand that God chose to give the nation of Israel and all the descendants of these 12 tribes the revealed Word of God. Now we need to understand this. The Old Testament, when it covers Israel's history, a nation that was insignificant in their beginning, but God chose them. You know why? Because He wanted to. God chose them as a people He would give His Word to and give the true form of worship. That's a picture that's to train us to understand and think of the doctrine of election. What Israel was literally and physically is a picture of the doctrine of election. But here's what's so important to understand. The Bible does not teach That every Israelite or every descendant of Abraham is an elect child of God. Now you see what I'm saying. I want to try to make this simple and clear. God choosing to work with Israel is a picture that, that teaches us the concept that God can choose to work with who he wants to work with. And even though it illustrates the concept of election, that doesn't mean that all the descendants of Abraham are children of God and furthermore, that nobody else is. And that would include all of us here tonight. So with that in mind, let's think about that number 1,000 again. It's a large number, but That's what it is. Large number. It's not something that, you know, can't be comprehended. It's a large number. And the 12 means all of God's elect among the Israelites will be there. But look at Romans chapter 9, 6. I want you to understand this before we continue. These verses I'm going to refer to now are going to show you how it is that not all the descendants of Abraham are children of God. But more, what's more in a, interesting is it's going to explain why you can be a child of God even though you're not a descendant of Abraham. That's what I want to find out. How can I be a child of God? Well, Romans 9, 6 says, Not as though the word of God hath taken none effect, for they are not all Israel which are of Israel. Now what does that mean? He says not all of those that are of Israel, not all of those that are descendants of Abraham are Israel. Now you remember this is the chapter where he says, Jacob have I loved and Esau have I hated. The most emphatic teaching in the New Testament on the doctrine of election. And so Paul writing now to Gentile churches, not the descendants of Abraham, not Jews. And he's telling them, not all of those that are descendants of Abraham are the spiritual Israel. And I'm going to explain that in a minute.
1: Due to the constraints of time, we will stop the message here. But please join us tomorrow for the conclusion of this message. If you would like to subscribe to our website, please go to www.zionpbc.com and sign up for email updates. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact the church at zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. That's zionpbc1847 at gmail.com.